क्यों My fucking arm, dude. I'm still thinking about that. I'm still laughing about that. Even as I... I guess I'm hiding in what used to be the dressing room of... I guess like the the downstairs in the mall where I've been staying had like this enormous sprawling Forever 21. Only in this timeline it's called Forever 27, which is weird because not only because it's not called Forever 21, but because um Forever 27 was the name of a solo project that my friend Sonia who played drums in a band I used to be in called Angela Chase. She called her solo stuff that she would put up on SoundCloud, uh, Forever 27. I think in reference to all the rock stars who die. Anyway, that's apparently the name of this store, which is otherwise exactly the same as a Forever 21. This is the first podcast that I've done, not in the car. Um, I... I guess I don't really have a good reason for it. I got a little bit freaked out. I think, um, let's see how to talk about this. There's this thing going on in the mall where like, it feels like there are veins in the walls, like veins pumping blood through the walls of the mall like it's a living thing. And I know that's not real but it seems pretty real. I mean, you can't see it, see it. It's not like you could hunt down the heart of the mall and, like, kill it in order to kill the mall. It's not like that. It's weird. It's strange. Anyway, I've been pretty freaked out because there's a lot of ghosts around. Um, and so they don't seem to be down here. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I don't even want to speculate. Anyway, um... Welcome to me being very quiet in the dressing room of Forever 27. I want to talk about uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, which is the third movie in the Cloverfield series. Um, I can tell you up front, it's better than 10 Cloverfield Lane, but it's not as good as the original Cloverfield. Um, if only because, you know, I did a podcast about 10 Cloverfield Lane. I don't think I ever did an episode about the original Cloverfield, and I should. Um, the, the problem with 10 Cloverfield Lane was that sort of a lot of the animating tension came from 
thrill like threat of gendered violence and it felt like they really corrected that here and uh the cloverfield paradox it opens with um a couple and at first you're like oh cool maybe this is a movie about black people like we don't get enough of that especially in the cloverfield universe um and it turns out the the woman in that couple is sort of the the main character um it opens with some there's some like near future world is running out of energy stuff and so she's like i forget what her job is she works on a spaceship where they've got this huge like um particle accelerator in the sky in this big like at first you're sort of like oh you're on a spaceship how the fuck do you have gravity but then they pull back and you see that it's this big spaceship with all these rings on it and so it's that thing that i sort of understand where if your spaceship is shaped like a ring and it's rotating um then you have gravity there's like a few different rings off this long central like tube and that tube i guess is where they call it the shepherd accelerator and what they're saying is if they can get this shepherd accelerator to work then like they can avert not only the earth running out of energy but all this sort of world war that's happening and um it seems like basically the world is is getting ready to collapse in terms of everybody being freaked out about the the lack of sustainability and honestly um that is stuff that's even hard for me to talk about at all and i think it's it's funny because what horror movies are supposed to do and i think this is a horror movie i mean this movie is basically event horizon um but what horror movies do is they take the things that are really scary and then they let you play with them in a way that then you kind of feel safe i guess the conclusion to draw there is that then isn't it a way of sort of like shouldn't your fear about climate change be be spurring you to action and it's not if you're playing with it and and sort of assuaging your fear that way anyway um in this movie they're they're in space and they've got this like space particle accelerator i think they talk about higgs bosons at one point somebody's like did you smash the higgs boson some of the the physics in this movie is pretty goofy like it's like referencing real physics in a way that's super silly just fine um you know what the fuck do you want from a movie uh so okay so this woman her name is hamilton uh, her name is ava hamilton uh, and her her partner or husband is this guy michael and they're from england and you find out early on that they had kids and their kids died and she's carrying around the sadness about the fact that her kids died um so then she's in space and um they're like trying to shoot off the fucking shepherd accelerator and it keeps not working. They've been in space for like two years. It's her and this like international crew. And um, more than one of the crew is black, which is cool. It's like a multiracial um, thing. But I don't think that anybody on the ship is actually from Africa. Like a lot, lot of other continents are represented, but not so much Africa, which is, you know, a decision that they made that we could be critical probably about if we wanted to. Um but that's that's what's going on. I think she's from England, and the the captain, like the head captain guy, is a black guy from the United States. Um, what the fuck? I can't even read my notes. So this the the spaceship that they're on is called Cloverfield Station, and um, 
you know, the first two two movies seem pretty tenuously linked to each other. But one thing that I like that they do in this movie, which is a thing I really like actually unrelatedly, about the writing of Joe Hill, who's a horror writer. Um, I find he tends to just like burn through plot. He's like, I'm going to throw out a thing and we're going to resolve it in an interesting way because you can trust me to have more interesting things to go on rather than like dragging stuff out for, you know, for tension, um, which I think also is a fine way to do it. But I, I, I like it when a movie is going fast. And so they sort of, in this one, they make it really clear really quickly that what they're going to be doing is tying together the Cloverfield monsters because you get sort of a, they're, they're all on the Cloverfield station in space and, um, they can't get this fucking particle accelerator to work. And then you see there's this like talking head on a news show named Mark Stamble, author of the book, The Cloverfield Paradox, um, where he's this sort of like agitated wingnut who's like, if they actually get that thing to work up in space, that could introduce monsters and demons and sea monsters and it wouldn't even be just in our time it would they would be introduced in the past and in the present and in the future he's just like flipping out and you're like oh so clearly that's how they link the first two movies together right like this thing happens and it's in the near future while those movies were set in their respective presence um but what they're saying they're kind of you know, they're foreshadowing what they're going to do is blow up a fucking God particle. I think this movie was originally going to be called the God particle, but then they changed it just before they released it. Um, they're going to blow up a fucking God particle, which is going to introduce demons, monsters, and sea monsters, demons and sea monsters. I forget. Like, why would you say monsters and sea monsters? Sea monsters are just a subcategory of monsters. Although I guess also sea monsters are awesome. Um, so we see them fire up the fucking thing and it doesn't work. And you see a little bobblehead of a little person holding a slusho beverage, like a, like a cup, like that would say icy on it, but it says slusho on it, which is, you know, if you're aware, I probably talked about this on the 10 Cloverfield Lane podcast, but I don't remember um, what I said on that at all. Cause I think I was mad at that movie while I recorded it. Um, but the, the, reason that the first Cloverfield movie stuck with me so much is that I had just like within the the year before it came out moved away from New York City and then it was really kind of a like powerful emotional experience to see a monster just show up in New York and destroy it um and I walked out of it and it was still like daylight out and I was just like dazed and kind of weirded out like walking down fucking Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley um it made me totally want to see it again, and I really liked it, and I wrote this book called Nevada that I put a scene where one of the characters goes and sees that movie in the theater, um, which I think that was the year that that movie came out. Anyway, um, I really liked that one, and so I was stoked for the next one, and then I didn't like the next one that much, but one of the things that was cool about that movie was that since it was from a very limited perspective of this, just this one dude named HUD with a video camera, um, they wound up really like expanding the world of that movie online with a bunch of like mysterious interactive, like alternate reality game shit that 
I never really tried to solve on my own. I just read about how other people had solved it and found it interesting. And one of the things that you learn is that one of the guys in that first movie was going to this company in Japan that was working on this drink called Slush-O. And they made shirts that had a picture of Slush-O on them at one point. You probably can still get them. I think it was hard to get a hold of one at one point. But uh, you can probably just get that on, like, Redbubble. Um Speaking of which, if you if you are a Redbubble enthusiast, I think that I put up stickers that say Dickhole on Redbubble advertising this podcast if you want to buy merch. Anyway, 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 uh, you get a lot of, like, Cloverfield mythology shit early on. Um, they're really, like, you know, if, if you're a nerd for these movies, they're, they're tying them in really hard really quick. And then... They got the particle accelerator to work, and boom, the fucking Earth disappears, dude. Um, and they're like, where the fuck is the Earth? This is really bad news. I wish the Earth wasn't gone. I miss the Earth, like that kind of stuff. And then the Russian guy, who's kind of a loose cannon, his name is Volkov. He, like, starts doing something with his eyes, but you can't really tell what's wrong, but he'll, like, pull on his eye socket area and be like, what's wrong? with my eye and you're like what's gonna happen with Volkov's fucking eye but then you hear screaming and it turns out that there's a woman like all like body hard into a wall now that I'm thinking about it she gets like body hard into a wall I guess there's a dude who gets some body horror shit the the my fucking arm dude like he gets body horror stuff there's also some fucking um I think probably whatever, I don't remember, I don't want to do the math, you know, dead women fucking movie trope could do with less of that in all scenarios, but, um, I guess this woman isn't dead, she just is, like, in the wall with a bunch of, like, power tube wires going through her body, she's, like, all fucked up, and they, they wind up getting her out, and then they use futuristic technology to bring her back to doing better, but, I think it's pretty uncomfortable to have all those things going through like your fucking torso and shit. Um, but they managed to get her out and then they get her hooked up to the machines. And then we cut to Michael, uh, Ava Hamilton's, uh, husband, most likely husband, um, who's in maybe London. I don't think London, they don't do a bunch of London signifiers. I don't think he's, he's in some fucking city somewhere and he's like, there's like explosions and he wakes up and they're like, where the fuck is the spaceship, the Cloverfield station? And it's missing and he's sad because Ava's on it. And then we go back to the Cloverfield station where fucking, they're like, where's our fucking gyro thing? It's missing, which is sad. And then they, they cut to a foosball table, which we had previously seen some of the guys playing. And foosball table starts like terrifyingly spinning on its own they're just like spinning and spinning the little foosball players and then um i think although i'm not super sure i think what happens is then like when they stop spinning one of the colors of one of the teams has changed from like green to yellow with the implication being like some shit is fucking out of whack with reality you know um so we get back to Volkov and his eyes are all fucking googly. Like they're, they look like that, uh, you know, that band tool, uh, they look like that tool album cover where it's like an eye, but the, 
the eyeballs are like rolling from like left to right instead of just staying in the middle and going from one side to another or up and down like a normal goddamn eye. Um, his eyes are all fucked up and then he 3D prints himself up a gun and then he's like uncomfortable and his eyes are fucked up and then um, I think he dies and then a bunch of worms explode out of his body all over the place. Um, which is badass. I think early on in the credits, they're showing, they're like doing like establishing shots of Cloverfield Station. And at one point you see a tank that has all these fucked up, like tentacly looking things. And I didn't realize they were worms until fucking Volkov exploded and worms went everywhere. Um, but I guess like the worms were foreshadowed. But again, what's, what's cool about this, what, what I think really like the, the sort of forethought or, or craftsmanship that went into this movie that, that really puts it in the league of classic films is they're really clearly setting up Volkov as an antagonist, right? He's like a loose cannon and he's kind of a dick. And I think he accuses somebody of being a traitor at one point, but instead they just fucking kill him immediately. And, you know, good on them for, for like, because it's not really a red herring per se, just like for, you know, I, I always think of this shit as like burning through plot really quickly. And I feel like that's probably not good language for it, but, um, you know, just, just, just moving quickly in terms of having big things happen. Also fucking worms, dude, fucking worms exploding out of your mouth all over the place. That's gross. Um, which is awesome. And then, okay. So this woman who was in the wall, she's all better now. Her name is Jensen and She's like, what's up, everybody? You're all, like, the same crew as the, the ship that I'm on. And they're like, uh, we don't know you. And she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, this is this is Tam. She's our, like, our, like Mandarin-speaking crew member. And Jensen is like, nah, nah, she's not supposed to be on this ship. And what's becoming very clear, or maybe they do some exposition after that, um, where they're like, oh, you've sort of like dipped into another alternate universe or an alternate timeline. Um, and now you're in the timeline where Jensen was a crew member, although also is this just like, like it seems like they did some physics shit when they when they made the, the Shepard generator work that made physics go all like weird, but also malicious. Like it seems like the physics shit that's weird isn't just weird it's not just foosball players changing color like you know soon a fucking dude is gonna get his like arm just gets sucked into a wall and the arm the wall starts like yanking on him and yanking on him like that's not just physics getting weird like that's physics getting evil you know what i mean it seems like if you're talking about like physics and equations and shit like a wall like gobbling up a dude's arm is like is it like it would be an outlier unless there was, like, malice in play, you know what I mean? So, uh, also, there's this guy named Ketch that, uh, I know, and Jensen kind of looks like a lady version of Ketch, which is weird. Um, so, then we cut back to Earth, and Michael's still there, and we see a silhouette of, like, what looks kind of like the monster from Cloverfield, whose name is Clover. It's like there's, like, a little clover up in the, in the smoke, but you can't really see it. It's, like, an implication of clovers without really being explicit, and then I think we cut back to the spaceship. 
and this dude's arm gets sucked into a wall and then his arm just fucking comes off but it's like more body horror shit because it's not painful like his arm is just gone and you can see like the stump where his arm was and rather than being like closed over or cauterized it's just like there's just like a cross section of bone sticking out but it's all very smooth it's like pretty unsettling i mean you know i don't want to do the thing where i'm like you know when when somebody's body is like has like a different number of limbs than other people's bodies that's gross but like it seems pretty unnatural the way that his arm gets sucked into a wall and then also the way that he's just like sort of like magically cauterized i don't know it feels maybe like body normative actually maybe i am being gross anyway his arm is gone and then um we see his arm fucking crawling around on the ground like it's got a mind of its own and harry's like there's your arm and he's like that's my fucking arm um and then a, like like a physics guy talks about some like goofy like quantum entanglement stuff that seems probably like quantum entanglement as far as i'm aware is a real thing but he doesn't use the phrase quantum entanglement yet he just talks about like we can tell that we're in a different dimension now because of like two particles being entrenched with each other even when they're far away from each other it's just like fucking silly and then it's not played as fucking silly but you know it is played as fucking silly it's this dude talking to his arm as his arm has gained sentience which actually that's a fucking twin peaks thing isn't it uh there's a guy in twin peaks who his name is the arm um he's also called the man from another place uh anyway this dude's arm comes off his body does that place the Cloverfield universe and the Twin Peaks universe? Are they like, whoa, that's, that's, that's something to think about. Um, so, okay. So they trap this guy's arm. They put like a upside down, like fish tank on it. Maybe the fish tank that had the worms, actually. I don't remember. They trap it under a fish tank and then the arm starts like gesturing, like I want to write some stuff. And so they get it a pencil (laughs) and the arm (laughs) says, fucking it writes down like cut volkov open so they cut volkov open and inside of his guts is the missing gyro thing that they were all sad was missing before except that instead of being a gyro it seems like it's like some kind of data machine thing and then they realize that like they they use it to orient themselves in the universe or maybe it is the gyro thing and maybe the gyro thing orients them in the universe as well as being like an important navigational tool i think that's probably what happens so they've got this fucking gyro and they put it in and they find where the earth is and then they start getting transmissions from earth and it seems like there's a world war and in in this reality their spaceship the cloverfield station fucking blew up um and like a chunk of it like fell in the sea and they show like the footage of it falling into the sea there's a thing that happens in the first cloverfield movie where uh at the very end they're they're, like on a a ferris wheel and you can sort of see in the background something falling out of the the sky into the ocean behind them and they're on like coney island so people talk about that meaning like 
it probably fell into the ocean and woke up the the woke up clover and that's why clover is attacking manhattan but i don't think that's really true because i feel like it's too far up near the beach like i feel like clover probably lives deeper in the water um but it's just it's like another reference to uh you know the first the first movie which is nice i appreciate that like continue to tie this shit in because that's the one that really i have the emotional connection to you know what i mean um so okay then we get another goofy physics speech where the dude actually does use the phrase quantum entanglement he goes what we know about quantum entanglement dictates it will bring us back to uh i can't read my fucking handwriting um He's like, what we know about quantum entanglement dictates that if we fire the fucking thing again, it will bring us back to our dimension, which is, like, does not seem to me to be how quantum entanglement works. But again, who the fuck am I to tell you how quantum entanglement works? Maybe it's not just a thing that happens on a, um, like, are they atoms that this shit happens on? Are they photons? I don't even know the unit of stuff but you you follow me quantum entanglement happens on a pretty small scale and i don't think includes like giant spaceships or like the earth although again what the fuck do i know maybe it does maybe i should have finished that book by michio kaku that i read on a bus one time i only got about three quarters of the way through but that one wasn't even about quantum entanglement that was about like fucking like string theory um, but I still only made it about three quarters through before I was lost. I was probably pretty tired while I was reading it. I bet I could finish a pop science book about physics. Anyway, um, Michael, back on Earth 1, Earth Prime, back on Earth, he has found this girl. I think her name is Molly. She was, like, just, like, doing some screaming in, like, some blowing up stuff part of town so he brought her in the car and they're going they go to like a bunker um maybe it's like a hospital they go to a bunker and that actually feels like 10 cloverfield lane they go in and they've got like the the industrial green paint and like a a metal like ladder that goes up to a like probably like a porthole or something just feels like an allusion to that one which is nice and then um Jensen, who appeared after the quantum incident or whatever, she's like, I hear that y'all are trying to get back to um, your dimension, like you're trying to get back to your Earth, but do you understand that now that I'm on your stupid spaceship, like, if you escape from my dimension, it's going to trap me in your dimension. And so she's got, like, she's got a dilemma, you know? Um, Now everybody's got a fucking dilemma. So... Maybe some calculations have been off or something, but this girl, Tam, who's like a scientist, she's the one who speaks Mandarin and and doesn't speak English and seems like everybody on the ship speaks Mandarin, so that's fine. Tam goes to do something. She winds up in this chamber that fills up with water and there's going to be drowning stuff and I fucking hate drowning stuff. It creeps me out. I feel like I must have seen something where somebody drowns in a movie when I was pretty young Um, because I always am just like, it's, it's sort of the tension of like waiting for somebody to drown and then fucking watching them drown. It's just, ugh, I do not like it. It's not my thing. Um, however, 
if you gotta drown and if you gotta kill another woman on screen, like this was a pretty cool way to do it because as this chamber is filling up with water, and by the way, also there's gravity again. Maybe the ring makes there be gravity, the fact that they're on like a a spinning ring thing. But as the thing fills up and she's like running out of air and space and she's like sad about it, the fact that she's gonna die, um, I feel like she drowns and then the pressure from the water blows out the door facing out of the spaceship and so door opens up the water all like immediately freezes and big cool shards and then she's like dead drowned and dead frozen too it's like it's a pretty cool movie death i just I, maybe 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 you can judge me for this i just wish that it had been a, a dude i wish i'm fine yeah you feel me i'm like a lot more fine with watching dudes die in movies than i am with watching women die in movies, I feel like I've probably seen a lot more women die in movies than dudes, although I just like women characters with names. Like, you see hella nameless dudes get killed in movies, but, like, the main dude, it's so rare. Anyway, whatever. I guess we've seen two dudes so far. You know what would be nice? No, that wouldn't be nice. I was going to say if an even number of women and men died in this movie, but honestly that just that just doesn't take into account the history of how many women have died upsettingly in movies whatever you know what i'm talking about so we go back to earth um oh no so she dies right she's dead in their thing and then dude is like no she figured it out like all our calculations have been fucked up because of like the the water particles in the air or something and she was trying to adjust that and so it's it almost feels like they're sort of trying to justify their decision to kill her along dramatic lines like they're being like oh yeah like she died but she was also a genius like we're not just killing women we're also like deifying them by making them be good at figuring stuff out which i did not like like that's cold fucking comfort bro she's dead um so then we go back to earth we're just kind of you know checking in with with earth prime um and that girl molly who got rescued she's watching a cartoon on a tablet and it's the uh so bad robot i forget what if bad robot is like jj abrams production company i think it probably is it's the little like bumper that plays at the beginning of all the cloverfield movies and probably all the fucking transformers movies which are hard to watch dude i would i would hella do transformers on this podcast except they're the sort of classic film that's just so dense with meaning that it's really hard to pay attention for the six and a half fucking hours that each of those movies lasts um so she's watching anyway she's watching a cartoon on on like an ipad that's the bad robot cartoon it's like clearly the little bad robot from the bumper it's called bleep bloop um which is nice like you see a title screen and it says that the cartoon is called bleep bloop which is great because the bloop or the, i think it's called the bloop was a sound that was picked up from like way deep in the ocean um that was like sort of hard to explain <coughs> i feel like some nerds figured out a way to explain it but you know i'm more interested in it being unexplained or or the reason being that there's a giant fucking clover at the bottom of the ocean uh, but the bloop was one of the things that was sort of tied into the the story with the original Cloverfield was like, maybe this is the monster that made the bloop in real life. Um, let's see. Then we see Michael sort of intuit everything that's happening. He's like, okay, so 
the thing must have gone off, and then there must have been some quantum entanglement shit, and then they disappeared, and now they're in an alternate dimension, and they have to get back, and he's talking to somebody on the phone, and the guy's like, I don't know, whatever. <coughs> okay. Um, so he knows what's going on, because he figured out, because he's smart. I feel like he's like a doctor or something. He was going to meet, before everything went south, he was going to meet with like a patient who had some obscure disease with a really long name. Um, so he's, you know, he's super smart and okay. So then we get this pivotal scene where, uh, actually, you know what, before I go any further, let me tell you something. Did you see the movie Arrival? Um, I don't remember if I've talked about Arrival on this podcast or not, but it's a fucking, it's a great movie. I like, I, I, I could talk about it on here, although it would be hard to find things to goof about because it's just like, it's so good, dude. I cannot recommend Arrival to you highly enough. And what I want to tell you is that I'm going to spoil Arrival probably in like 10 minutes for you. So if you haven't seen Arrival, you should totally go watch that shit and then get back to it or then come back to this podcast because I don't want to spoil that for you, dude. It's, it's really like... I think I think you should go watch Arrival if you haven't seen it. And you know what? Even if you have seen it, I think you should probably go watch Arrival. It's a fucking great movie. So, okay. So, Ava, our main character, and Jensen, the the one who who showed up in the wall. Um, they're talking, and Jensen is like, "Yeah, yeah, I know you. We've like worked together forever," because she's worked with the Ava from her own dimension, and she's like. You seem pretty much like the same person, a little, a little bit sadder, perhaps, make a little bit more sad, and, and we at home are like, oh, fuck, is she sadder because, oh yeah, maybe I didn't tell you this part, um, I think it's implied that Ava, and I, like early on, it's implied that Ava and Michael had had two kids who died, maybe I did mention that, um, and so what we get at this point in the movie is like, wait a minute, what if fucking Ava from from this dimension what if she and Michael their kids didn't die and then Jensen's like wait a minute like they kind of put it together um and again they don't just fucking drag it out right like Jensen's like you seem a little bit sadder and Ava's like sadder did my like did the fire that killed my kids not even happen in this fucking timeline and Jensen's like nah dude it didn't even fucking happen on this timeline and she shows a video of like her kids who are older than they were when they died in Ava's original timeline and like that's fucking good dude that's that'll fuck you up you know what I mean especially if you have feelings about kids um which not everybody does but some of us do uh what she realizes um, is that there's another Ava on this earth, um, and she, she, I think she starts thinking, like, whoa, if I were to get back to this earth, like, I could have my kids back, dude, which is a big deal, and so now she and Jensen are both a little bit like, no, 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 we gotta get this space boat back to, to Earth 2 or whatever, like, Earth Jensen, Earth, like, uh the earth where Ava and Michael's kids are not dead. Um, and then, uh, we see this dude in a room and there's all these, like, all the metal stuff is getting sucked against other metal stuff, like magnets. And then it turns into like 
metal slime and there's more body horror stuff and then um dude explodes and so then we see from the outside that like the ship is like a big spire with like a few rotating rings at different like points on the spire rotating around each other as well as rotating within each other and we see that one of them is all fucked up and blown up and you're like oh no because you know how is the ship going to maintain its structural integrity and so um we see the ship and the explosion is really bad there's all this like falling apart ass space rebar like sticking out everywhere which is I think, like, another thematic allusion to Cloverfield 1, there's a scene in Cloverfield 1 where they go up to, to rescue this girl who's stuck in a building and she's got, like, rebar through her fucking body. It's, like, it's it doesn't feel like body horror in the same way. It's, like, not, like, a theme in that movie. It's just, like, pretty intense. Um, and, but, like, you know, I don't know, maybe it's not intentional. Maybe it's just, like, an echo in a way that one thing that the Cloverfield movies do is they make you like, if you're stoked on them, you like start looking for connections, you know what I mean? And whether or not they're there, you're just stoked that they seem to be there. And so, uh, they go outside the like main captain dude. And I think maybe Ava go out to try to like, it's fucked up and they have to go outside and do something to the fucking spaceship. So They go out and they fucking do something in the spaceship. And then the captain dude is like, the only way for everybody to survive is for me to sacrifice myself. And it's a little bit like a bummer to see, like, it's like heroic for the black dude to sacrifice himself to save everybody else. But also like, I don't know, it'd be cool to see like the black dude live, you know? Um, but that's not what happens. And that's it's just not what happens. Um, my next note says Jensen double cross question mark i don't know what that means um oh yeah okay so jensen and ava are gonna take the escape pod like ava gets back inside and she like sheds one tear for the dead like captain guy and then she goes back inside and she and jensen are gonna take an escape pod back to earth on like this earth so that she can what so she can kill like the ava from this universe and have her kids or are they just going to be like twins and like share the alive kids? Like it doesn't seem like she really has a plan per se, but you know, also like she's just freaked out. She, her kids could be fucking alive. Like it makes sense that she's having big feelings. And so she and Jensen are headed back, but then at the last second, Jensen like punches her and knocks her out. And she's like, I'm sticking around on this ship, man. Like you can go back to earth, but I'm going to go kill the rest of the crew and save this ship. And Ava comes to after not too long and she sees what Jensen is doing and they wind up having a pretty like knockdown drag out fight, which is cool. I mean, it's honestly, it's cool to see this shit, um, in a movie about women. It's just more interesting than if it was a bunch of dudes doing this shit. You know what I mean? And I feel like maybe I'm talking a lot about gender politics in this movie or like my own gender feelings. I just feel like it's cool when women are in spaceships and it's cool when women are the people that stories are about and it's maybe like a little bit regressive that like what she wants more than anything is to go home to her husband and kids but also it gets like magic sci-fi like badass awesome when you think about her kids being dead like just like adding that that like 
interdimensional bullshit element, I think maybe Rusky's a, a little bit. Um, anyway, she and Jensen have like a knockdown drag out, and at one point, uh, Ava like yanks one of the the rods out of the foosball table to whack what's her name with with the rod, and then Jensen's like, "Dude, I'm gonna kill these people," and Ava's like, "You're just gonna kill people," and Jensen's like, "Dude." If you're asking me if I'm willing to kill three people on this spaceship to save eight billion people on Earth by bringing the spaceship back, fucking wouldn't you? And Ava's like, ugh, that's a really good question. And then they have their fight, and then what happens? Um, I feel like I saw the movie The Hunt for Red October when I was a kid in the movie theater, and I feel like I have a pretty clear memory of falling asleep in the theater for almost the whole thing but I think like the major plot point of that was that there was like a Russian submarine that was trying to defect but like defect to the U.S. but they didn't know how to communicate that they were defecting and everybody was like either like they're defecting or uh they're trying to fake defect I don't really remember but it's just interesting that like Ava is trying to defect to another reality you know what I mean? I feel like I'm like kind of just like beating this dead horse to death, but I don't know. It's a good plot. You know what I mean? Maybe I want to be in this timeline instead of that timeline. Um, yeah, what I wrote was it's cool that this is down to two women, but it, it's a shame that they're trying to kill each other. Um, Jensen puts up a video of Ava's kids being alive, and then she like somebody shoots a hole in that and then Jensen gets sucked into it and her butt like plugs up the hole that would be making a vacuum into space but then she gets sucked butt first through the screen into space anyway um and then uh we get Ava giving us like recording a video speech to herself she's like um this spaceship is probably going to come back to earth and you're going to see this message or maybe she's going to like email it or whatever, but she records a speech where she's like, look, man, if wherever you are, like you gotta like hug those kids and hug that dude because that's all there is in the world is, is life and your kids and your family. Like that's literally all that's it. And it's good, man. She's like tearful and having feelings. It's a really good emotional climax for a movie where she's leaving a message to herself. And again, it's like super sci-fi. You know what I mean? Like that's sci-fi shit, which is great. Give me more sci-fi. Um, and then, like I said, it's sort of, um, so here's the spoilers for arrival. Ready? Arrival. Um, and with the main character, like choosing to, uh, have a daughter and uh, like enjoy the, the first eight or 10 years of that daughter's life with her, even though she, she finds out in advance that that daughter is going to have a terminal disease and is going to die young. Um, she, she decides to go through with it anyway, cause she wants to live that part of her life with her daughter, despite how much it's going to hurt everyone when she gets sick and dies. And the powerful thing is she's like, I choose this suffering anyway, cause that's what I want. And I feel like this is kind of the opposite of that. I feel like what the Cloverfield paradox does is rather than saying, I'm going to sacrifice Wait, maybe it's the same thing, actually. Maybe it's not inverted at all. She's saying, I'm going to sacrifice... 
maybe it's not even related at all because what Ava decides to do is she's like, all right, we're going to get this ship back the fuck on track and we're going to go back to the earth that I'm from. And I'm going to go back to my husband, even though my kids are dead there. Maybe she is choosing the more painful thing or the thing with the dead kids, um, similar to Arrival. I hope you fucking watched Arrival, dude, because I like, I watched that movie and I cry so much that like, I'm like inconsolable. I can't talk and then I try to talk and then I just turn into like, a sobbing, like, fucking puddle, um, for, like, a really long time, it fucks me up, it's such a good movie, um, and so, I feel like she gets the generator back online, the fucking particle accelerator, and she manages to get back to her own timeline, um, and we cut to Michael back on the earth that she's from, in the dimension that she's from. And he's talking to probably the same person on the phone. He's like, what the fuck, dude? They're like back in this timeline. Like you don't, they shouldn't be back in this timeline. Don't let them come back to earth. Don't fucking let them come back to earth. Don't let them come the fuck back to earth. But it's too late. We see that, uh, Ava is on a little escape pod and she's headed back to earth. And then we sort of see her, her escape pod come down at, uh, like a similar angle to the, the bit that fell in the sea before and to the little bit of debris that fell into the sea at the end of the first Cloverfield movie. Like it, it calls those back only, um, it's sort of like it's foggy. Like she's falling through some, the, the floor that she's falling through is just a bunch of clouds. And then the very end of the movie, you see this like, so one of the things that, that they said about the first movie was that the reason that the monster was destroying uh, Manhattan is that it was a little baby who got woken up in the middle of the, of the ocean and like was freaked out and didn't want to know what to do. So it was throwing a tension temper tantrum. It was throwing a temper tantrum and just like smashing up New York cause it's a freaked out baby. And what we see at the end of the Cloverfield paradox, is like a huge fucking adult clover, like sticks its head up through the clouds and it's so fucking big and so fucking cool. And it does some screaming and it does some more screaming, and then the movie ends. And I am so stoked to see a little glimpse of an adult clover, dude, because that is a monster that I love so much. And so it was very satisfying for me to see that. Um, and I guess that's that for that movie. I'm just I'm thinking about the speech that Ava gives when she's, like, recording the video to herself because... Um, it makes me wish that I lived in a reality where I had like a wife and a kid instead of like living in a fucked up haunted mall with ghosts. Although I'd probably miss the point completely if I lived in a nicer reality and I'd end up like just watching movies by myself in the living room while everybody else was upstairs without me. Alright, truck nuts, alright, dick enthusiasts. That's the end of the episode, and as the world gets worse every day, don't forget we get to be okay while these fascists choke on the fruit of the hate that they braid till their lives are the only thing keeping them warm while they're chained to their bricks on the floor of the bay. My body's broken, I am joking, and I still don't have any money, and nothing's working. Stop
first song was by hers. This one is by Tender Defender. Please be gayer. Please figure out a way to be more trans for me. Abenaki people who are still here and who have been here for at least 12,000 years longer than anyone of European descent.